Welcome to the Realities of College Recruiting Podcast, where our team of former college coaches, players, and MLB scouts tackle the most critical college recruiting topics. With guests including college coaches, MLB pro scouts, and industry insiders, we will empower you with the tips and strategies needed to gain an advantage in your college recruiting process. The Sports Force Podcast is powered by our partner, Five Tool Baseball. Okay, let's start the show. All right. Well, welcome to uh, the Sports Force College Recruiting Realities Podcast. And I got uh, special guest Lynn Van Landingham with us uh, from Five Tool Baseball out of Texas. And uh, Lynn, how's you? How you doing? Doing well, Andrew. Doing well. All right. Awesome. Well, we got a lot to cover because uh, you've spent your life in the game, and uh, I know you live it and breathe it and sleep it. So, um, why don't you first kind of touch a little bit about kind of when did baseball, you know, become a big part of your life just as a, as, as a child and a young man and kind of take us back in time a little bit. Well, I mean, that's as long as I can remember, I just had a tremendous passion for the game. I loved it, you know, spending time in the backyard, throwing up a rock and hitting it with a stake or whatever it took. And then, uh, you know, I started playing organized baseball when I was probably seven and, uh, you know, was, blessed enough to get a chance to play it for a while. I, I had a chance to play division one baseball at Texas tech university. And, um, then as, uh, my children got older, I uh, got heavily involved in select baseball from a coaching standpoint with them. And, um, you know, just, you know, I'd be considered a yard rat. So that's, that's just what I, what I am and where I came from. Absolutely. And obviously Texas baseball has changed dramatically since you went, you went through the whole process and, you know, share a little bit about kind of how you got involved in, uh, in, in coaching at the travel ball level uh, with some of the, you know, prominent teams in the area as well. Yeah, actually, uh, my wife and I moved to Dallas-Fort Worth in 2002 uh, from Corpus Christi, and uh, our boys had played basically Little League-affiliated baseball down there. And, uh, you know, that option had kind of died out in Dallas-Fort Worth by the time we got here. And a friend of mine that I actually had played uh, baseball with in the summer in college uh, was associated with the Dallas Mustangs. And so started with my uh, oldest son at the time he was 13. Uh, we affiliated with the Dallas Mustangs and that's kind of, that's kind of where it started. Awesome. And what were, uh, what were the other programs that you ended up coaching with? I know you remember you were telling me about that, uh, that, that one team you had, which had a, a number of guys that went on and played uh, pro ball. Yeah, we, uh, with my 2007 group, we eventually merged and became the Arlington Heat, which was a club out of Arlington. Um, and that team, I guess there were six kids on that team that wound up playing professional baseball. Um, you know, Garrett Bouchelle went to Oklahoma, Mike Marshall to Stanford. Uh, Jacob House actually played in the College World Series with Arkansas and then also again with Texas A&M. Uh, Chad Comer went to UTA, played for the Rangers. Uh, Matt uh, went to Sam Houston State, and he actually played in the field pitch in the Phillies organization. And then uh, Randall Thorpe uh, actually went to A&M, uh, left there and went to San Jack, and then signed with the White Sox. So that was the group that I was with originally. And then uh, with my 2014 group, after that group graduated, I dropped back and started coaching that group. And Tommy Hernandez, the owner and founder of the Dallas Tigers, was a college teammate of mine. And uh, when that group became 13, we moved over to the Tigers and, and took them up, uh, you know, until they basically graduated as, with the Dallas Tigers. Hmm. 
Yeah, so you were at the front end of, you know, a lot of the, really the growth of travel team baseball, um, you know, in, in, in Texas. I know it got started probably, what, in the 90s is when things started getting real real serious? Yeah, abs- actually, um, you know, I remember when I was playing in college in the summer, the hearing about the Dallas Mustangs, so that would have been, mm. geez, 1988. Um, okay. But I think those teams really had to travel a lot to play, and then I believe, you know, the Tigers came around in probably 95, 96 in that neighborhood. And then the Patriots and D-Bat. And, you know, it's really exploded here in Dallas-Fort Worth and in, in Texas in general. Absolutely. Well, you know, what was the impetus or the driver for you to start, you know, five-tool baseball? Where, where, where did you see there was really an opportunity to better serve um, players and families? Well, it actually started with my 2014 group, which was extremely talented group. I mean, there were we had a first round draft pick on that team. There's two other kids that are playing pitching professionally right now. There will probably be one, maybe two more. Um, and, you know, we made a trip um, out of state uh, to, to go play in an event. And we drove, you know, all over the countryside um, and, you know, never played in front of more than, you know, four or five Division One schools. And uh, we came back to Dallas the very next weekend. And, um, you know, I had Turner Larkins on my team. that went to Texas A&M. He's pitching for the Blue Jays now. They're in the Blue Jays organization. So I was throwing him, and the Fort Worth Cats were throwing Casey Shane, and there was 15 radar guns in the stands. So I started asking myself, uh, um, you know, why would we travel when the schools that are going to recruit these kids, you know, are actually here local? And I think that's the thing that people miss out on a lot is that, baseball is a regional game and the analogy i like to use is that you know there's not a lot of people in texas that uh, care about the shortstop at clemson but you know everybody in texas knows about the the quarterback at clemson uh because you know football is a national game i think baseball is more of a regional game whether it be at the division one level nai or junior college level therefore i think that uh you know um we needed to create regional opportunities for these young men to get an opportunity to showcase their abilities. You know, I think statistics will show you that, you know, 95% of the kids are going to go to school within 450 miles of home. And, uh, you know, it just never made sense to me to travel all over the country. So the big 12 could watch my kids play when the big 12s are right here in our backyard. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the, with the cost, you know, you think about, the parents, if you're traveling to, to Florida or Georgia or California or Ohio, um, the flights, the hotels, I mean, stuff adds up real quick. Well, absolutely. And, and you know what, Andrew, I try to, um, you know, there's a lot of people around the country that run great events and, and I'm not trying to slight them in any way. Uh, what I try to tell everybody, whether it be a parent that is asking for some recruiting advice or, you know, where to go and what to do. I, I just think that when you travel, you know, it needs to be more about the experience than it is about thinking you need to chase exposure. Uh, these college coaches get compensated to look under every bush and turn over every rock to, to find talent. That's what they get compensated to do. And they're very, very good at it. I think one of the things that's much different today versus 20 years ago is there's just not there's not a lot of hidden gems anymore. You'll see a lot of kids that will take a big jump from one year to the next. But these college coaches, you know, do such a tremendous job of, of looking for players wherever they can find them. 
that, you know, I think a lot of times in your own backyard, there's, there's, there's more opportunity than there is for you to, to travel around the country. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point for sure. And you've seen how much even recruiting's changed just in the last five years with five tool. I mean, talk a little bit about, you know, the power of uh, video, social media, you know, some of the things that you guys really try to focus on, uh, you know, to give, give players some love and highlight the dudes of the day and that type of stuff. Yes. You know, that actually kind of started based upon my 2014 team. I, I had five really big arms on that team and uh, we were playing an event that was associated with TCU. And so what I did is I, you know, threw each one of those guys one to two innings so they could, they could throw their, on the big stage where, where the college coaches were there watching them. And I had a third baseman by the name of Alex Samples. And uh, Alex that day was, was 0 for 4. Um, but everybody was there to watch the arms. It was no big deal. Well, the rest of the event, I think Alex was you know, 9 for 11 and had six doubles and 11 RBIs, and nobody knew about it. So when we started 5-Tool, we, we decided that, hey, you know what we want to do with what's out there on social media is that it doesn't matter where the kid plays. If he performs at a high level, he's going to get recognized for it. So that's why at all of our, you know, large events, we cover them the same way, whether it's at, you know, Fort Worth Southwest High School or whether it's at TCU or DBU or UTA or, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, doesn't really matter. We're going to cover it the same way. That way, if a, if a young man performs at a high level, he gets recognized for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've talked extensively about the recruiting process and, you know, players finding, you know, the right college fit and sometimes, you know, checking the ego, you know, at at the door. Um, If you were given advice, you know, to parents, and I know you do a lot, uh, give a lot of recruiting advice, what are a few things that you think are just critical for today's parent who's going through this process for the first time to understand? Well, I think the most important thing is that, um, you know, you're assisting your son in making the right decision uh, for where he needs to be. Um, You know, I I understand that there's a lot of uh, um, recognition that can be gained and you can feel really good about your son and a lot of pride based upon his commitment to a large Division I school, but that might not always be the best fit. Uh, The best fit is, in my opinion, putting your young man in a situation where he gets a chance to play one more year. Um, and, and the reason to me that that's so important is in my own life, what this game did for me. Uh, I was extremely blessed to get to play for two amazing men. Tom McPherson was my high school coach, and now he's the head coach at Katy High School down in the Houston area. I think he just won his 800th game. And then I got to play for Larry Hayes at Texas Tech, which is you know one of the finest human beings you'll ever meet in your life. And even though, you know, I, I was a below average division one player, the fact that I was around those men, they put me in a position to, you know, be a better husband, a better father, a better employee and a better man. And I think a lot of times that's what's lost in this process is that we get so caught up in the recognition of where the kid's going and who's recruiting him. We lose sight of the fact that I think the most important goal is to allow these kids to play one more year because I'm a firm believer that if they, if they stay around the game just one more year, wherever it be, whether it be at a, uh, uh, you know, from JV to varsity high school baseball or from, 
you know, varsity high school baseball to, to, you know, junior college or division one or pro ball, just staying around the game one more year will give these young men an opportunity to be more successful in life. And, and I wish that I could find a better way to convey that message and, and make sure parents really understood it because we get caught up in batting average and ERA and whip and OPS and, you know, what you need to be focused on is, is what this game teaches from a life lesson standpoint that's going to give your young man an opportunity to be more successful in life. Because really, you know, not that many of us are going to get to play it long enough to, to, to make a living out of it. And I hope they do. Um, but they're going to learn these life skills that they can take with them the rest of their lives to help them be more successful. Sure. And you think about, you know, sometimes that college decision of chasing the big name, you know, school, um, you know, there's some pit, there's some pitfalls that are out there that, that aren't often talked about, you know, with, uh, you know, sometimes schools over recruiting or bringing in, you know, a certain amount of players and then some go home, you know, during the December of the freshman year, or maybe they're, they they went in with the wrong expectations of what what what, what the opportunity was, um, and just being able to stay at stay at a school that's a great fit, um, and making that decision right at the you know out out of the gate, um, not always easy. It take it definitely takes some due diligence and some research, but uh, you know it, it it's important that your son has a great experience on the field, off the field, academically, because, you know, kind of to your point that the relationships that they build after the game, after college, they might set them up for, you know, their next career, maybe a new business that they start with a former teammate. I mean, so many different options can open up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I get as excited for the kid that commits to, you know, a junior college as I do the kid that commits to a Big 12 school um, because, as I said earlier, they're going to be around the game one more year. Um, you know, there's uh, just so many opportunities out there for kids. And, and if you really look at it, you know, if you look around the country, on average, there's four to five kids every year that leave Division One schools at almost every school. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a variety of reasons, you know. Uh, wrong fit, you know, was homesick, missed mom, missed the girlfriend, wasn't good enough, coach didn't like him, didn't like the coach. There's a variety of reasons. It's one of the reasons that I'm such a big proponent of junior college baseball because I think what it does is it gives the kid the opportunity to, um, you know, mature not only physically but also mentally and um, put yourself in a position to make the right decision in regards to whether, where you're going to be to end your college career. I just think in today's society, in today's recruiting world, you know, we're asking 15, 16 year old kids to make a decision on where you want to spend four years of your life three years from now. And, and I just think that's a really, really difficult proposition, mm -hmm. um, you know, for, for, a, for a young man that's 15 or 16 years old. Um, you know, hey, a lot of times, you know, they, they hit and they're right and, uh, you know, it works out for the best. Uh, but uh, I think there needs to be a lot more time spent in regards to, you know, what, what is this young man ready for, um, you know, from a, from a, you know, emotional standpoint, from a physical standpoint to give him the best chance to play. Because the one thing I have learned over the years is baseball players want to play. 
Uh, baseball players don't necessarily want to sit around and watch other guys play. So I think it's really important that during this selection process, you know, you take that into account that, hey, where's an opportunity where, where my young man really has a chance to go and compete early and get a chance to play? Yeah, and you think about even just, <clears throat> you know, the, the D2, the D3, the NAI opportunities um, that, that don't get talked about as well. That, that, that's another thing I think families can uh, get more educated on. I mean, just, just in Texas alone, you know, look, looking at, you know, not a whole lot of division two schools in Texas, but there's over 10 of them that I, I guarantee a lot of families don't know about, um, you know, and division three, uh, I'm just doing a little bit of quick research on this. Um, but you know, 15 division three programs, um, I mean, nationwide, you know, you got over 200 Division II programs. You got over 300, almost 400 Division III programs and just under 200 NAI programs, you know, that that might be able to be a great fit, you know, for a player as well and put together a good athletic and or academic uh, and financial package for families too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I tell you, I had a, a friend of mine, Pat Combs, and he actually pitched in the big leagues. And uh, we were having a conversation one day. Um, and, you know, he said, well, people don't understand a lot is playing is playing. doesn't mm. matter where, where you're at. If you really love the game um, and you really want to play the game, getting a chance to go play is getting a chance to go play. And, uh, you know, getting caught up in, you know, what the name of the school is and, and, and that is not the most important thing. Once again, it's, it's, you know, playing is playing and getting a chance to play one more year is what I think is most important. And this is even for the pro ball opportunities. I mean, what, what some people don't realize in players, if you're listening to this, um, professional scouts are drafting players from all these levels, division two, II, division three, NAI, uh, every year in, in numerous amounts, a lot more than people would think. Um, so, and there's plenty of big leaguers that, that came from, you know, non D one programs, uh, even after junior college, they didn't even, you know, you know, go to a division one program. So, um, keeping that in mind, I think to your point of just playing the game and getting to, you know, getting better. And sometimes, you know, there's really good player development and pitching development coaches, uh, you know, at the, at the lower levels as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's so many, it's, it's, it's one of the great things about this baseball fraternity is, is the guys that have a passion for the game, uh, typically find a way to come back and, and give something back to the game. And it is at all levels. So you find those individuals that were passionate about the game and you'll find them scattered from, you know, the division three, division two, junior college, NAI division one level. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, really great coaching across all levels across the country. Well, I want to switch gears and go, uh, I've, I've heard you speak to, uh, you know, parents many times and, um, there's, there's two stories that I'd like you to share and you don't need to name names, but one of the players was kind of like a, you know, one of the over recruited, uh, or heavily recruited, you know, 14 year olds, uh, that, that you had coached back in the day. Yeah, we, um, you know, we, I just always tell this story to parents about, you know, where, 
where your young man is today um, is not going to be where he's going to be even six months from now. These kids change so much physically from this 14 to 18 year old uh, age group. But the story I, I tell is, uh, you know, I had a kid that played on my team that was, you know, tall and, you know, scrawny and lean and could bury it barely had enough strength to carry the bat to the plate. And in that same age group, there's another kid that I promise you at that age group is the best player in the world. Every weekend he hits four or five home runs, you know, and, and actually when he was 13, he was like 80 to 81 on the bump. But, you know, what I saw is the young man that played for me um, stayed after it and, you know, you know, worked his tail off and was a student of the game. And he developed an unbelievable hitting approach. He had an approach for every situation. And, you know, that kid went on to play in the College World Series twice and play for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. And the kid that was the best player in the world played one year at junior college baseball. Um, and, and I tell that story just so people understand that, you know, where your son's at today is it could be a far cry from where he's going to be if, you know, he makes the right decisions in regards to hard work and, and strength training and nutrition. And if he really has a passion for the game, you know, really the kind of the sky's the limit. And you really don't know what that limit is when a kid's 14 or 15 years old. It's yeah, it's so true. Um, especially with how baseball is in terms of, you know, being such a skill um, and technical sport that you can start to make these incremental improvements and really see, you know, growth over, over the course of uh, over, over time as, as a player, you know, starts to get more comfortable with themselves and their body and, and physically they start to mature as well. So um, absolutely, you know, and then I want to kind of talk a little bit about something that you've brought up, um, you know, as a, you're, you're a parent, you know, of, uh, of a few kids yourself. I know one just graduated Texas tech, but um, you know, you talk about how these, how these moments are fleeting for parents. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Andrew, I, I tell you what, one of the greatest things that, that I wish so much that, that I would have heard before I started coaching was uh, Kate Griffiths is the owner of D-Bat friend of mine was telling me a story about, you know, when he was, when he was playing, he was young, you know, uh, he'd get in the car after the game, you know, and he, he went four for four and, you know, had three doubles, just had a great day. He'd get in the car and his dad would turn around and say, you know, son, I really enjoyed watching you play today. And he said, Lynn, we go out the next week and I'd go over four with three punch outs. We'd go get in the car and dad would turn around and say, son, I really enjoyed watching you play today. And, and you know, I just wish that I had that perspective uh, before I actually started coaching my own, my own sons because these are fleeting moments. And uh, this thing is over in a flash. And when it's over, it's over. And um, I, I think one of the huge mistakes that, that's made today is that parents don't really cherish the moment. Um, you know, I got to watch it when, when, you know, my perspective was always a little different because I played a little bit. So, you know, one at bat was one at bat. And, you know, one error was one error. And, you know, the way I always viewed it is, you know, there's no need in getting upset about an at bat in your game because you're about 30 minutes away from getting another one. Um, and But I watched these parents live and die with every single at bat, every pitch that's thrown. And I really don't think they have the opportunity to really sit back and just enjoy watching them play. And, and that's the thing that I would really like to see change. And, you know, I, I tell parents all the time, 
you know, especially when the kid's a freshman, a sophomore, uh, even a junior. I, I've never had a college coach ask me what a kid's batting average was when he was 16. Not once. And I, I've been around this a, a long time. You know, what they want to know is will the kid compete? You know, they're, they're going to go and see that the kid has tools. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times there's some additional pressure put on the young man to perform um, just by the behavior of those that, you know, he looks up to the most, you know, his mom and dad. And so I would just like to see people sit back and relax and cherish it. You know, I got one more story for you to tell you a little bit about this game that I always mm. like to share with you. Um, you know, I, it was 1988, uh, coach Hayes was giving me a chance to kind of work my way in the lineup, uh, gave me a chance to pinch hit at the university of New Mexico. Uh, it was a Sunday afternoon game, last game of the series. Uh, we're tied up in the, in the, uh, eighth inning. Uh, I come up in the top of the eighth. I got a runner on third with, with one out. I get down in the count. Oh, and two, you know, I, I battle my tail off, you know, I get the count back to full, probably had a 10 or 11 pitch at bat. Uh, the guy just throwing me back-to-back sliders that somehow I fouled off uh, trying to backdoor me. And uh, I knew a fastball was coming, and it did. And it was probably about 87, 88 miles an hour right down the middle, and I took it for a call third strike. So the, the, the important thing about that is that, you know, my dad didn't have to remind me of that at bat. Coach Hayes didn't have to remind me about that at bat. You know, my girlfriend who became my wife didn't have to remind me about that at bat. I relive that at bat every single day of my life, and I'm 52 years old. <laughs> so the point is, is that this game is so humbling, and and it, and, it, and it is brutal at times, and the lows are so low, it's what makes the highs so great. You know, I, I just really like to see parents comprehend and understand that poor performance, you know, doesn't need to be harped on because there's nobody that's going to feel worse about it than the actual baseball player that experienced it. And and I would just like to see the parents just really sit down one day and just enjoy watching your kid play, man. Playing the greatest game ever invented. You know, don't worry about, you know, who's looking at him, who's recruiting him. The one good thing about the game of baseball is it rewards those that, that deserve to be rewarded. And if a kid is talented enough to get a chance to play at the next level, this game is consistent in providing that mechanism for that kid to go to the next level. And that being the case, you know, and me knowing that with, with my background and my experience, then why not just sit back and enjoy watching them play? So there you go. Uh, it's, a, it's a great lesson. Um, and I'll just say that, you know, I'll, I'll add on that, you know, for parents that are listening that, um, yeah, you've chosen to support your, your son uh, in – probably the most confidence crushing and humbling sports, you know, ever invented. Um, but it is a, it is a classroom for life because the amount of, uh, confidence, uh, kind of toughness, faith, uh, teamwork, work ethic, this sport is a breeding ground for character development. Um, and giving your son up to enjoy, uh, that game and that classroom and, and learning is a real critical part of that because if, if you try to micromanage, you know, them and their development, um, they're going to miss some of these, these life lessons that they can, that they can apply and actually, you know, develop, you know, even quicker. Um, adding on top of that, college coaches are very aware 
um, of parents that are, you know, let's say overbearing or helicopter parents or, you know, just too vocal maybe in the stands, um, they, they pay attention to it all. They don't, they don't miss a beat. They realize when they're recruiting, you know, potentially your son, they're recruiting your whole family as a package deal. Um, Lynn, anything you want to add on top of that? Well, you're exactly right. Um, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, um, you know, the parent is going to be a reflection on their child, regardless of the child's behavior or the young man's actions, you know, uh, uh, human nature alone is going to relate you to an individual. If you're, you know, their son, if they behave in a certain way, that's why it's even more important that I think you, uh, um, you know, sit down and, and enjoy watching him play. And, you know, if a college coach is in the stands and, uh, you know, he sees a father that can't deal with the adversity going on in the field, you know, he can relate that to, well, man, maybe the kid's not going to be able to deal with adversity. And this is a game about dealing with adversity. So, you know, just, just sit down and enjoy watching him play. Cause I'm just telling you it's over in a flash. And when it's over, it ends sudden, you know, I can remember each one of my boys last game, um, and, and what the feeling was like when it was over. And, you know, the great thing about it is, is you know, they've taken the lessons that they've learned and applied them in their lives. And, you know, to, to date, you know, they're having some success with that. And at the end of the day, you know, that, that's, that's, uh, that's really the, the most important thing. Well, I'll, I'll add a little personal story because just on that, these fleeting moments. So, you know, the last um, – the last games my dad was able to see me play was my sophomore year in college. Um, the, the weekend series before Easter, uh, and playing against USC. So he, he passed away of cancer, you know, during, during my sophomore year of college. And, you know, because of that, um, he actually missed, you know, another two and a half years of college baseball, missed six seasons of professional baseball. Um, so you're talking about, you know, hundreds, hundreds of games. Um, and we've dealt with families that, um, you know, have had, you know, health, health adversities. So just even as a parent, um, you know, your, uh, your enjoyment of these, of these moments, uh, is, is really critical, um, for, you know, for your son's, you know, development and, and for his enjoyment as well. Cause, you know, God's blessed your son, you know, to play the game, which is most kids that are still playing in high school are still playing, you know, for a travel ball team. They're usually pretty good um, to still be playing because the amount of drop off that happens between Little League Baseball and kind of high school baseball is, is dramatic. So kind of, I think, coming from a place of uh, of gratitude and, and understanding that, you know, your son's been 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 blessed to play you know arguably the most difficult sport um is something to keep in perspective uh you know with all of this as well um well i think we'll uh i, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, a little bit more about five tool um and then we can we can wrap this up lynn but um in terms of uh you know five tool i know you've you know you've you've grown it organically with uh you know, creating really good relationships, um, you know, with different people around the country, you know, 
to work with. I, I know Brewer well. I know some of your other guys well. Kind of give us a, a full scope of just, you know, where you're at and, and, and what lies ahead for, for five-tool baseball. Well, we're just, uh, you know, trying to take everything uh, as it comes each and every year and see where we have the opportunity to maybe, you know, grow moving forward. Uh, the one thing that I think has been really cool about this thing is that we've been able to hook up with some some true baseball families, not only baseball men, but their wives. And we've kind of made it a, a, a family type business. And it's all about, you know, being in a situation to um, create an environment for these these young men to go showcase their abilities and get a chance to play at the next level. Uh, you'll never hear us claim that, you know, we got anybody a scholarship, but hopefully, you know, we've assisted in, in creating a mechanism and a venue where these guys can come out and play and the college and pro guys can come watch them play and, and get it, you know, have a chance to, to create an opportunity for those, those young men. You know, we've, uh, we're operating in 15 States now. Um, you know, the first year Sheree and I did this, I mean, we had two events in Dallas, Fort Worth that had 34 total teams in those two events. Um, and then, you know, we're going to look to expand if we feel like that we can still create regional opportunities for, for the kids. And, uh, we've been very blessed to, you know, hook up with some very passionate people about the game and, and where we've done that, it seems to, it seems to work. So, you know, this year we're getting a little more into the individual type stuff. That's something that I've been very hesitant to do until I really felt like that, uh, we could, uh, do something that, that created some value. And I think now with some of the analytical data that uh, we can provide, you know, that's, that's objective data and not subjective, I think that's very important for these players to use as a baseline from year to year to see how they're progressing. Um, you know, I, I think going to one showcase a year, you know, is, is, is enough. But I also think it's important because I think it establishes that, ba that baseline. And from that point forward, you can take your uh, – your money and invested in your nutritionist, your strength coach, your hitting coach, your pitching coach, you know, your club, whatever it is. But I think it's important. So that's an area that, that will probably grow in a little bit, Andrew. And then we're going to look mm -hmm. for, you know, strategic other areas around the country where, you know, we can create some regional opportunities, hopefully. Absolutely. And right now you got, you know, five tool, Texas, um, you got five tool kind of in, in the Midwest area. Um, you got five tool on the West coast uh, with a lot of California and, and Nevada and some Arizona. And then I know you, you expanded into five tool uh, in the Northwest as well this year, right? Yeah, that's uh first year. We think we've found some, uh, some good people up there that, you know, believe in kind of what we do. And, you know, every one of these things has kind of happened by accident. It was either associated with somebody, uh, you know, being a, uh, at our event and wanting to expand it, uh, you know, VTEC Bico, you know, was kind of with us from the start on getting the deal going in Oklahoma and he's expanded his operation to, you know, Kansas, Arkansas, and Missouri, uh, working around some division one schools and some venues. And then as you talked about, Ryan Brewer, uh, has done and got us going out West. Uh, we added the South Texas group this year as well. And our growth there has been pretty good. So, um, the Northwest guys, I'm pretty excited about it. And, uh, you know, it's first year, so the events will be a little smaller, but hopefully when they get a chance to kind of experience what we do from a social media standpoint and, 
you know, getting the kids a little bit of recognition for performing, performing at a high level, hopefully it'll work out. Well, what I've heard firsthand, you know, from college coaches, um, is that the events are well run, they're organized. You got all the, you know, the roster stuff, the, the player books, everything is, you know, set up, you know, to serve these coaches well, which, which brings coaches back. And then I've heard, I've talked to another, you know, a number of travel team coaches, you know, as well. And they just say, you know what, these are, these are the best run events and tournaments that we've been to. Um, So I haven't shared all of that with you yet, Lynn, but uh, I figured, you know, it's good to hear, um, you know, some positive testimonials that aren't, you know, solicited from, uh, from guys directly. Well, and I appreciate that, you know, Andrew, it's just really a product of, you know, a lot of great people, which include, you know, the, the colleges that we work with and the professional scouts, the clubs and, um, you know, the parents, I mean, Shree and I are always laughing because by the time the summer's over in Texas, she knows about 80% of the moms and dads. She's greeting them at the gate coming in and out. And, you know, I mean, the California deal has, has, you know, been a blessing and, you know, getting to associate with, you know, some great clubs that, you know, we normally wouldn't see in Texas, you know, whether it be BPA, TB SoCal, NorCal, you know, the Trombley group's been really good to us. And, and we hope, hopefully we, you know, we extend that to the Northwest and continue to, uh, you know, uh, have these relationships. It's been the greatest gift that, uh, you know, baseball has really given me is the opportunity to get a chance to meet so many quality people. And then when you get a chance to see a young man, uh, you know, when he's 14, 15 years old, and then you see, you know, kind of his dream become a reality when he's 17 or 18. And then, you know, now we're at a point where we're old enough where we're seeing these kids that played in our stuff that are in college and now going to pro ball. You know, it's just been a lot of fun and very rewarding. Yeah, well, I know you serve as the uh, the founder and president of Five Tool Baseball, but we all know who the CEO is, and that is uh, Cherie Van Landingham, right? Absolutely, and uh, if you guys ever need anything related to our organization, I would start with her because uh, <laughs> you know she's uh, you know she's an amazing woman, and you know we started dating. I was fifteen, and she was fourteen, and she's seen almost every game that I ever played, including all the games our boys played. And you know, fortunately, she's kind of a yard rat herself, and we've had a lot of fun getting an opportunity to to kind of share this thing together. And you know, our boys have periodically helped us and and done things, and it's it's just been a lot of fun. And you know, a lot of the people we have inside the organization that I mentioned earlier, I mean, we consider those guys family now. You know. Uh, you know, our social media director, Jeff Kahn, I mean, he's, he's like my fourth son. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, you, let's wrap it up with kind of the social media presence. Uh, there are going to be some people that are listening to this that, um, don't know where to find you, find y'all. And, um, and also, you know, just, there are, you know, thousands of college coaches that rely on, you know, the five tool, you know, social media feeds through Twitter and through Instagram. So share, share a little bit more on that. Well, you know, we, uh, we started the the deal on Twitter, I guess, probably in 2014, I guess. And, um, you know, it's just been a great tool to see, you know, what a, what a kid can do and how he's performing. And then, you know, of course, as social media trends have changed, you know, we've moved into, 
uh, you know, Instagram and, you know, now doing short videos on TikTok. And uh, we just want to find a way to, you know, one, be able to relate to the players who, you know, are one of our most valuable clients. And then also have a mechanism where, you know, their performance, whether it be their swing, their pitching mechanics, their defensive abilities, you know, can be shared with those that follow us and, you know, might, might spark some interest from a, from a college coach and uh, then create an opportunity for that young man down the road. So that's the one thing that we've been very, very adamant about, Andrew, is what we're going to do from a social media standpoint is, you know, we, we try to take, in, take into account, um, you know, all the players. And really, to be honest with you, you know, the first-round draft picks, they really don't need my help. They don't really need anybody's help. I mean, those mm. kids are, you know, extremely blessed uh, athletically and have a, have a skill set that's going to create some opportunity for them. But there's a whole lot of kids that, you know, might not have those specific skill sets now at 15 and 16, but all of a sudden at 17, 18, and 19, they, they become a dude. And uh, we just want to make sure that if we can show something that shows one of those skill sets that somebody could have some confidence in it's going to develop into something special, then, you know, that gets seen. And that social me- those social media platforms have been huge for us in being able to showcase these guys and, and uh, you know, hopefully give them an opportunity. Yeah, and we'll link a lot of that, uh, your different accounts uh, in the notes on, on this page when we post it. But um, final thing is dudes of the day. So where did it come from? Tell us a little bit more about it, how you guys, uh, you know, execute that uh, – <laughs> that, that that kind of merit-based model well actually that really originated from uh you know tony vitello who was a recruiting coordinator at tcu yeah. uh at the time i was coaching my 2014 team and we were talking about i, I tell you we were talking about a player from oklahoma and it was our our midwest director vtech Baiko's son and uh you know tony told me because oh man i think that guy's gonna be a dude and so, you know, that's become one of the terms in regards to recognizing, a, you know, a, a really good player is he's a dude. And so we started, you know, the, the dudes of the day for the guys that performed at the highest level each day at our events. And uh, it's just kind of snowballed on us. So we've, we've had a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun to be at the events and, you know, a kid do something and hear the dugout yell dude alert and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. So we're going to. We're going to continue on with that. Absolutely. That's dude's a total California term. I'm glad it's uh, glad it got out to you guys. Well, we're, we're just a little slow, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, us here in Texas, we're a little slow, but we're, we're, we're gaining on you. No doubt. Well, the baseball's good all over the country. Now that's, what's really exciting. And I'd say, you know, final words for, for parents, players, coaches, listening to this is that, um, you know, it is so critical to surround yourself um, with world-class coaches, mentors. Um, you know, as a parent, you think about this process. You know, again, we've said this many times, but baseball is a very, um, you know, it's it's a very challenging sport uh, with a lot of adversity. Um, and just as you kind of go down this journey of supporting your son through 12 to 18 or even beyond through college or professional baseball, I would say just continue to do, um, you know, the research and, and learn more about how you can continually surround yourself, your, your, you know, your son and your family, um, 
you know, with the right coaches, the right teams, the right events, the right mentors, um, because, you know, the old expression, it takes a village, you know, to kind of raise a man. Well, raising a baseball player and raising, you know, in the future, you know, a leader, a husband, a coach, a father, um, that's what lies ahead, you know, for, uh, you know, for your child, you know, going through this process. And uh, it's very difficult to do it, um, you know, on your own, you know, as a, as a parent. Um, so anything else you want to add on that, Lynn? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, from a coaching standpoint, you know, all the coaches, I hope uh, when they look at a young man, they, they look at not what he is, but what he possibly could be. And um, I, I think it's the same thing as, as a parent, when you're watching your son play, uh, you know, enjoy watching what he is, but then also give him the opportunity to, to blossom and mature to be what he actually could be. And, uh, you know, I think you have to do that through a tremendous amount of support, more so than any other game, uh, because baseball is a game where the, the, the successes are highlighted uh, and the failures are really highlighted. Um, so, you know, when you when you swing and miss for strike three, you know, everybody in the stands, everybody in the dugout, the umpires, the defenders in the field, they're all watching you fail. And, uh, you know, whereas in football, you know, if you miss a block on the offensive line and, you know, you give up a sack, not that many people really see that. So mm. I, I think it's just really important to, to support your young man, make sure that, you know, you pick him up when he needs it the most. And uh, this game is so brutal. There's just no need to, uh, to uh, you know, rehash a, a bad situation that happened in a baseball game. Just let him deal with it. Just let him go through it. Um, it's a lot more embarrassing for him than it is for you. Sometimes that's hard for a dad to believe, but you know, his performance on the field is a reflection upon him. It's not a reflection upon you. And you just have to trust that what he's learning through that failure is going to help him be more successful in life. Absolutely. What, what a powerful lesson. Uh, well, Lynn, thanks for joining us and, um, look forward to, uh, you know, picking back picking up this conversation again and probably doing a, a round two here in the near future. That'd be great, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being part of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast and our partner, Five Tool Baseball. You can easily subscribe on iTunes and check us out online at Sports Force Baseball for every past episode of our podcast. If you want to ask questions, share insights, and recommend future guests, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at SportsForceBB and Facebook under SportsForceBaseball. Be sure to join us on our next episode of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast. And remember, your college decision isn't a four-year one, it's a 40-year one. <laughs>